everyone, and welcome to The Art of Podcasting, episode 31, Podcast Transcripts, recorded November 25th, 2012, and brought to you by Element OP Productions, elementop.com. This week we're going to cover a topic that's been on my mind lately, uh, providing transcripts of your show. Uh, the good sides, the downsides, how to do it, how not to do it, I don't have any answers. But I'm going to ask a lot of questions, and we'll see what happens. And with me this week is the stalwart anchor, the rock of the show, Mr. James Professor Messer of ProfessorMesser.com. Hiya, James. Welcome. Thank you. I don't know about being a rock this week. I was just talking to the chat room about the thing of the place where you go and you chat and it's live and the name of that thing. And I could not remember. And they said, TeamSpeak. And I said, of course, TeamSpeak. So as we were planning all of these things I want to talk about tonight, I've now started putting together in my notes what those things are and realized what was the name of that thing with the stuff? The thing with on, the stuff. On the on the piece with the section. And it's I at didn't that have place. The, it's in the and so I have this problem, especially considering this topic. I've done things associated with the topic that we will speak of this evening but I'm trying to remember things like the name of the program I used to do that thing and what did it turn out to be. So we're going to see how well this turns out to be this evening. It should be interesting for all of us. I uh, used to work at a bookstore uh, when I was in college. <clears throat> okay. And uh, it was a very common thing, not a, not a, a once in a while thing, a very common thing for someone to come in and say, I'm looking for this book. And I don't uh, remember the title of it, and I can't remember the author, but it's got a red cover on it. Sure. Um, and so we we had we had pretty much decided we were going to divide all the books not by author and not by title, but by color. And we would draw little lines on the floor. So follow the red line to the red section, and follow the green line to the green section. Makes perfect sense. Like like a hospital. Right. Yeah, I'm I'm looking for this uh, song by this band, um, and I don't I don't remember anything. But the tune kind of goes like da 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 da. da. Does that uh, do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, There's there is a a, a subreddit on Reddit.com for that very thing. You record yourself humming that song, and <laughs> you put it out for people to listen, and they all try to figure out what it is. So there are places that people like that can go. That's awesome. Yeah, I love what the What is internet. that, uh, sh sh uh, or something like that? Oh, I don't. I've, I'll have to now. Now you expect me, again, as I mentioned, to remember the subreddit name of the thing with the stuff. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's not what is this bug. It's not what is this plant. It's not what is this thing. I'll have to find it. I'm sure it's in my, my list. Of, I have only a million subreddits. <laughs> that I participate in. So I'm going to have to hunt it down and find it. Well, I, there was, well, well, we'll get into it, but I, I'm going to have another one of those moments tonight. And I'm actually frantically searching at this moment for something that I had just less than 24 hours ago, but can't remember the name of it or where I found it or anything. So, so it's going to be pretty interesting. It's the for turkey. all of us. It's the Turkey is hangover. Is that what it is? It's the, the residual tryptophan in our systems. I would not be surprised. So, uh, as we mentioned last week, we didn't do a show last week because it was Thanksgiving. 
uh, here in the United States. The um, one one of the few holidays where gluttony is uh, openly encouraged. Uh, so it is it is the uh, the perfect holiday for fat people such as myself, uh, and it's really all about the food. Uh, so James, what did you do for Thanksgiving? Oh, my Thanksgiving was uh, very laid back. Stayed at home with the family. I um, we have a, a we always have a turducken. Are you familiar with the turducken? You really? I've never known anybody who actually had a turducken. Oh, it's pretty awesome. So it's if for those of you that have not done this before. Of course, the the turkey is a common staple at Thanksgiving. So this is a turkey, but all the bones have been taken out of the turkey except for the the big drumsticks and the wings. But everything inside, no bones. Then you get uh, and you stick inside of the turkey a duck, which has also been deboned. It does not have wings or drumsticks. Everything but the wings and drumsticks completely stuck inside of the turkey, and then inside of the duck. You put a chicken that has been deboned, no drumsticks, no wings, just shove it in there too. And inside of that, you put some type of stuffing. And this has a, a bit of a Cajun uh, appeal, a Cajun flavor to it. That's certainly the where it comes from. So it's sort of a, a spicy stuffing with sausage and you cram all of that together. It gets all tied up and you all cook it together. Yeah, I heard about that coming from awesome. low country. So, Do you have Cajun relatives? I don't. No, not really. Uh, but somebody else had one sometime, and it was awesome. <laughs> now, so I, I, I always thought that you would have to, because it's such a large mass, you're dealing with 25 pounds of bird at that point. Big, um, big how do you cook it without chicken. drying it out? Well, that's the beauty, is that a duck has fat around it. There's there's fat left on a duck. And if you've ever had anyone cook a duck for you, you'll notice they'll serve it with this big, piece of fat kind of around the outside of you wondering why they why didn't they cut the fat off of this thing when they, that's because it keeps it juicy so all of this stuck together it's really the duck in the middle that keeps everything awesome so it, it was it was amazing it was it was incredible so no problems it's it's foolproof you stick it in there it cooks for a few hours you're done well that's nice i am a big fan of the fried turkey another cajun thing that comes to us very from much so country. Yep. Um, and a few years ago on, on a lark, my experimental mindset kicked in, uh, uh -oh. and I bought an oil free Turkey fryer. Have you seen those? No. Yeah. Charbroil, the, the grill manufacturer makes one. It's called the big easy oil free Turkey fryer. It's not a fryer at all. It's essentially a very small, extremely hot propane oven that conducts, uh, that cooks by what they call infrared heat, which basically means indirect heat. Correct. So there's a sealed burner inside a steel case, um, and you fire that up, and the oven, the the little inside the fryer, quote unquote, gets to between eight and nine hundred degrees. Um, so you drop your bird down there. It takes slightly longer than frying. Frying, they say, uh, three to four minutes per pound. This takes eight minutes per pound. So what? it's about twice as long. Uh, six to eight, really, uh, uh, minutes per pound. Uh, but in a in a oven you're looking at 10 to 12 so it's still faster than an oven um and it it tastes almost as good as fried not quite as good it's close oh, it's about 90 yeah. percent there but you don't have five gallons of boiling oil that my three-year-old can bump into you don't right. have to clean it up after you're done it you don't have to wait for it to boil you don't have to spend 20 minutes for that you click the switch it lights up it's done so the whole process um on uh 
Thursday took from the time I took the bird out of the brine, I brine it the night before, to the time I was carving it was less than three hours. Um, and wow. you, you can't argue with that. And it tastes amazing. Um, and, you know, it's so much more, uh, so much less hassle because, I mean, it was, when you turn it off, it cools almost immediately. So I pulled the bird out. I took it inside to, to let it rest. I came back outside to the garage, uh, grabbed the thing, packed it away, was done. So there was wow. no cleanup, no oil to mess with. I highly recommend, no, I don't get any kickbacks for them. I've had this thing for a few years, and that's another thing. I've used it for years, and it was a one-time expense. With the oil, you're uh, paying, paying 25 to $30 for oil every year. Um, but this thing, one time and done, it, cost, it was like 110 bucks. I think. Well worth it. Highly recommend it. It's an excellent hybrid between frying and, and baking, um, and it makes a tasty, tasty bird. From our good friends at Charbroil, which, of course, are headquartered in Georgia, just up the road from me and just down the road from you. I didn't know that. They are. W.C. Bradley. So maybe I should look for a kickback from them. But uh, no, it's a good product. I highly recommend it. It's a little weird. You first look at it and you think, no, they can't be. And uh, But I was I was willing to give it a gamble and uh, love it. And and you can use it. You don't have to just do turkeys in it. You can do other stuff. Anything you can do in the oven you can do in this thing, but it really, really on poultry, it crisps up that skin because it's that super intense heat hitting it from the outside, basically fries the skin in its own fat. It's awesome. And now we're out of time for Cook Your Turkey <laughs> podcast. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And uh, So yeah, frying turkey is still number one. The uh, oilless fried is. is number two. And behind that, of course, is the slow smoked hickory smoked bird. Which is awesome. The only the only thing I don't like about it is it ruins the skin. You don't get that good crispy skin. It just kind of gets limp and tough. <laughs> I'm a cook. I like to cook. That's pretty awesome. Uh, so anyway, what else did you do? Well, interestingly enough, I do actually have have content that actually applies to the podcast. So um, I have a lot of computers in my house um, doing all kinds of crazy things. I have children. They have computers. I have uh, many computers in the studio. I have lots of things going on computer-wise in here. And um, just before, uh, we, we took a, a short family vacation before Thanksgiving. And before we left, my daughter was saying, you know, my computer, my Windows machine, when it starts up now, I'm not really getting a desktop anymore. It's not really starting. I thought, oh, okay, yet another one of myriad pieces of malware that are probably infecting this even though i've i've covered it with foil i have put the appropriate pieces of software on it it has so, a faraday cage around it you know th these things happen so when we came back i tried it myself and turned it on and sure enough it wasn't even getting to the desktop there were significant issues here and it's one of those things where it's it's a laptop. It's making some noise, but I stuck my head and put it way down there click. next to where the hard drive is, click. and I heard. Click. Yep. Oh, this is not good. So so at that point, I realized this is not malware. This is a piece of hardware problem with the hard drive. So I took it. Um, I stuck. I, I have a copy of SpinRide. I put that on there, and sure enough, it found bad sectors. The drive was was completely readable. So fortunately, I could plug it in via a USB reader. I could read pretty much everything on the drive. I couldn't even see where something was wrong, but I did a surface scan and sure enough, it found it. Now, SpinWrite's one of these programs that goes through and it can churn through a drive. When it finds a problem, 
it will sit there and read through the problem and read that sector and read that sector and read that sector 2,000 times and does a statistical analysis of what it found on that sector. And then once it's done, the statistical analysis determines here's the data that we think really was in that sector and then moves it somewhere else and marks that sector as being bad. So there's I some- had it run once for 14 weeks straight. I was going to say, this takes an enormous amount of time to go through in this recovery process. Well, this is my daughter's computer. There, There is uh, browsing things. Zelda is on there. Uh, there's there's things that, that really aren't that important. There's not family pictures and my tax forms on there. So it's not like there's critical information. And, and although I did not have a current well, in the last month or so backup, I did want to try to see what we could do with it. So I thought... Um, that's, that's nice to go through and, and at least try to get the data off the drive and, and have it recover, have something worth, worth going through there. But instead, I, I grabbed a, another standby that I have, which is a, a Linux live CD called the System Restore CD. And I, I pulled it out. And I didn't even have an updated version. So I downloaded a version on that. It has a program on that that is, is similar, not even close to being as, as, as comprehensive as Spinrite, but it has an application on it called DD Rescue, which is a hard disk, CD, DVD, anything that you can read with a disk in Linux. Um, and we just ran DD Rescue on it and had it go through. It tried to recover the data that was in those sectors. Ultimately, it could not recover them either, but it was able to copy off to an external drive pretty much the entire drive except for just a few sectors. So that was pretty great that I was able to, to effectively put it all back over there. Now, the the thing that uh, th- then I, I put it back into the machine, I booted it up. But here's the thing that I've, it's interesting what it found as being the problem. So it started back up and realized, whoa, something crazy went on here. Let's do a full scan. And it ran a check disk on it. And it found things that weren't quite right, of course, because sectors were suddenly missing. And it corrected them. What it found is that it was missing now the index entry for the directory program files. Oops. Now, for for those, those of you that are that are Windows aficionados, everything, all of your apps are in the program files directory. If you're running your Audacity, your everything, your your every, every program you're running, it's it's installed in program files. Now, here's the thing: it recovered all of the directories that were formally within the program files directory. Okay, that's good. So I, that's at least I have the data. But of course, the check disk program renames every directory to be found 001, yes. found 002. I had 283 folders called found something, something, something. So, so I asked my daughter, how many programs do you use? Ah, four or five. Because this, this is one of these laptops that's been around for a long time. So I had to go through every directory and try to figure out based on the names of the files that were in the directory, what, what program is that? Oh, that's Internet Explorer. That's Firefox. That's iTunes. Those were the easy ones. And then you get to some weird stuff like what in the world is this thing doing on my computer? So some stuff I moved off, some stuff, but it, it took a while to go through all 283 folders to find everything you mean. Uh, I need it. So, so I those into the real program files directory. Of course, the registry was still the same. Everything else on the computer was exactly as it was. So once those were moved over, we were fine. We didn't even have to install anything else. But it was an amusing set of 
of tasks to go through to help with the recovery of a hard drive just when a few tiny little sectors uh, gave a problem. It turned into uh, quite a bit of an ordeal to try to get it back to where it was. You are a better dad than I am. I would have said, sorry, honey, reformat. <laughs> I I thought of of just grabbing a new disc, sticking it in there and reformatting and starting fresh again. It would have it would have been fine. It would have would have worked that way. Yeah. But then I would not have had ten minutes worth of content. <laughs> uh, talking about spin right, there's a there's a quite a bit of con- uh, conversation going on about it in the chat room. Uh Spinrite's a tool I love um and use uh it it will save data if it can be saved but also as they're saying in the chat room if your drive is very near death spin right will help it along it will euthanize your drive it will work the drive to death um, but i've had it save amazing things uh I, I used it to recover the hard drive on um an nbx uh, uh, uh call center uh for a, a school that where i worked the the entire phone system was down because of a hard drive crash and spinrite was able to fix that even though it has a a, a, a runtime only os that doesn't even doesn't even really exist it compiles the os as it boots up didn't care it was able to fix it but my first encounter with spinrite was um I, you know, the, the old story that cobbler's children have no shoes, right? I'm a, I'm a tech right. expert. I know all the things to do and I don't do them. My, my oldest daughter was about two when our family hard drive crashed along with every picture we had Ooh. ever taken of Ooh. our only child at the time. Um, because I'm a digital guy. All the pictures were digital. And so I snapped them and, and I drug them off to the, to the computer and they're safe forever. No. And ironically, it was Thanksgiving weekend um, that it happened. So I took my time off and uh, drug it up to my office where I worked and uh, where I had my good forensic tools and, and threw everything at it I could. And finally, Spinrite's 100 bucks. It's not something that you, you want right. to buy because drives are cheaper than Spinrite. And you can buy a new drive for $89 and Spinrite's $99. Uh, but this was, the in this po- case, the data was far more important than the drive. So I shucked out the hundred bucks. I put it on there um, and it cranked on it for 10 hours or so and lost nothing. 100% of the data was found. Uh, I then cloned that drive and copied it over to another drive. So that, that hundred dollar investment saved me millions of dollars of spousal anger. Uh, and, that's, I was, and that's the beauty. It's, those are two perfect examples of where spin, right? Would be perfect use on it. My scenario where, the drive's not the problem. I'm not going to have the drive go bad. It wasn't physically the drive having a problem. It was bad sectors. And yours where life was hanging in the balance. Right. Yeah. And, and in the chat room, they're saying, why not just restore for your backups? Ha ha. No, I had backups that just, you never know that your backup system isn't working until you try to restore from it. No, at the time I had uh, everything every week dumping to a DVD. This was a while back. Wow. You could do that. Um, but it turned out that I had bought a batch of bad DVDs and none of them had been written to. And I didn't know it because it would pop up and say process complete. And I'd take the disc out and then, and put another one in. Life would be fine. No, none of them worked. So uh, now I use Carbonite and it backs up online. 50 bucks a year. Totally worth it. Um, I, I think it's uh, I had a and mine was about a month old. I do about monthly backups because 
the machine didn't have important information on it. I could have done a recover from that, but I did want to run through these things. I haven't had a hard hard drive crash in a while. So it's nice to do that. And of course, if you're in a situation where all of your podcast information is gone, if you lose important information about your web server, it's a great way to think about recovering it using some of these tools, uh, something like the, the um, system, uh, re system Rescue CD, which is at yeah. systemrescuecd.org, which is also a great great option to use because there's tons of free tools in there that can recover all kinds of great information. And since then I have become so paranoid. I have um, a hundred gig Dropbox account. I have it installed on multiple locations. I, I use, like I said, Carbonite for offsite backup on multiple computers. My stuff is everywhere copied oh, yeah. all over the place. Uh, so that that's never going to happen to me again. Um, I set all of my phones, which are now the cameras we use, to upload everything straight to Google Plus every, as soon as it's taken. So there's a copy there, and then you know, so we. I'm never going to let that happen again. I was. It was. It was. That feeling is um, indescribable. Of I have just lost the first 18 months of my only child's life, and, and I will, to because I was stupid. <laughs> That's that that. Takes it down very, very succinctly, doesn't it? Um, and if you forget what these pro programs are and what some of these things are, I'm going to come full circle here. You can always go to Reddit to the subreddit tip of my tongue. That's reddit.com slash r slash tip of my tongue, where you can ask the question, what song was that? What program was that I was supposed to use to recover my hard drive? Or why am I suddenly looking for a lawyer because all of my pictures are gone? <laughs> Yes. Divorce divorce lawyers in Texas. Uh, find that no. Um <laughs> so that's good stuff and has nothing to do with podcasting. Well it sort of does. Um but you know, uh say we, we've had this rambling discussion, none of this was planned. It's an organic discussion. Much of the conversations we have uh on this show and all of my shows tend to be organic in nature. Uh that's so, correct, Mark. We have not planned any of this. Very good. Uh, so the the thing is, what we just said here will not be in the notes. Tip of my tongue, subreddit, what he had just said, not going to be there. Um, I'm not going to post a link to spin right. I'm not going to supposed to. It's not going to happen because I know I'm going to forget when I when I'm posting this show, and I'm going to have the the little blurb that I had originally written in the notes, and then maybe any links that might have been put in there, and that's it. So it would be so handy. If there was a searchable archive of this sort of stuff, because I've had that happen to me often. It's like, I know I did. I did a whole show about this thing. I just wish I could remember what it was, but yep. you can't search audio. You can't search video. So the perfect way to provide a searchable archive of your content is to have transcripts. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. Transcripts. Why should you have a transcript? Well, for what I just said, it makes it possible to find your content. It makes it possible for an entire world out there to be drawn to your content in a way they would not. Because you put a, a an MP3 tag, uh, uh, file up on the website, you tag it, you put some metadata, you describe it as best as possible. You have, if you're super ver ver verbose, a hundred words to describe a ninety-minute show. That's definitely leaving out a lot. So if you could have a transcript of that available, it would be ultimately uh, better. It would be more better. Do you do transcripts at all of any kind, Mark? I do not. I wish I could. But I would love to. I do not. I do bad show notes. That's about it. 
this is this is something I've had on my list. It's been on my um, my tootledo.com to do list for a long time. Um, I've wanted to put those um, on my training videos and my very first training videos. I had transcripts because I effectively scripted all of them out and then talked to the script when I shot the video. And that's incredibly time consuming. And it was at the very beginnings of learning how to do all of this, but it was an interesting task. But the nice part was after the video was done, you effectively had the transcript because it's what you said. Um, I don't do that anymore. Now it's just talking naturally to the camera or not so naturally, if you've ever seen my videos, to the camera and saying, hi, how are you? This is a thing and you need to learn this and here's a stuff and recover your hard drive and et cetera. Um, and, and it's not written down at all. I have bullets that I talk to and that's it. Just reference notes. And I would love to be able to take everything that I've ever said and cram it onto a video as notes, as, as closed captioning on a video, have those as separate text that's on the web page alongside the video, have, um, and then have them in other formats as well, because you could do a lot with the text of a podcast, the text of a video that you've done that you could use in so many different ways. Yeah. And, and people uh, often ask me, you know, uh, why don't why don't you just at least post the notes that you used when you created the show? That would be pointless because they're just a couple of bullet points here and right. there for the most part. Uh, most part, we we don't have anything on any of my shows except um, with the exception of like the periodic table where we're we're reading online news stories. I post every one of those. That's the most complete set of of uh, notes I can do because it's easy. Uh, but what we have here, I will I will just tell you. We have a bullet point. It says, why consider transcripts? They're searchable. The next one is challenges. We haven't gotten that far yet. The next one is options. <laughs> That's it. All right. And so this is going to be probably an hour, hour and 15 minutes, I'm guessing, uh, in there. But there are six bullet points. Right. Posting that isn't going to help anybody. Not really. No. Absolutely not. And that's that's one of the things I find would be nice to have with my transcripts is because now people can search through them for different pieces of information, especially on my videos. I go through such broad sections of content and somebody's looking for this tiny little piece of information. I have a 50 word description of my video that doesn't have anything in it, but probably more importantly or just as important. I wouldn't say more importantly, but just as important for me, being able to have all that text on a screen somewhere means that Google can now index yeah, absolutely. it. And that is so powerful. If you have a podcast, this is what we've been struggling with from an audio or a video perspective for so long, is that if you have a podcast, everything you say goes into that podcast and it's very, very difficult for anyone to search through and find that information. Google's done a lot of work along these lines. You see it if you uh, upload a video to YouTube and you tell Google to do its automatic transcription of that audio to display on the screen as you go along. And it does a really good job of, of giving you the information of, uh, that you're saying, but there's no context to it. It doesn't get every word correct. It, it's it's like it's like someone in a different language transcribed your video and stuck it on the YouTube that you have there alongside. Yeah, you you said it does a really good job. You're being charitable. Uh, it, it, realizing, it actually, realizing the technical hurdle that they're having to leap, yes, it's really good. In terms of actual usability, not so much. 
I find it incredibly usable. And from a perspective of me trying to get automated transcripts done, I have to print it out. You can take Google and, and you can tell Google, please transcribe this entire video, take all of that text and put it into a file. And then I can go through the file and make some simple changes to punctuation, some words that perhaps weren't done right. But a, a huge percentage of that is absolutely correct. I mean, on the button with what it's doing, even separating paragraphs, putting bullet, putting periods where it's supposed to put them. It does a remarkable job. And I'm, I'm really comparing that to other automated systems right. that I have used. And that one's absolutely free. It's on YouTube. You can plug it in and use it and immediately get some benefit. And you can take that, straighten it up, pull it back into YouTube as something that you've now checked. And it is now the official transcript for the video. And now people can use that instead of the Google automated one. So basically, you just told us what uh, your... Uh automated system is at this point you you put everything you make on youtube anyway so right. that's a natural fit for me i would have to um take my mp3 upload it to youtube which i could do uh mm -hmm. have them transcribe it and then bring it back down which is actually not a bad idea at all i may um may start uh, doing that i'll have to consider that workflow uh but to have something uh, is better than to have nothing yeah because you can upload to youtube and make your video private right. so that nobody sees it nobody is informed that you uploaded anything nobody can search for it or find it or play it even if they knew the url and they tried to get to it it would say i'm sorry this is a private video so if you didn't want to put your content on youtube that's one way to do it i of course encourage everybody to put everything they have on youtube so that it's out there it's, a, it's as much a marketing tool as anything and it might not be a bad idea to start putting the art of podcasting out on YouTube, if it's only the audio version, even um, it's it's just an idea of things to try. And the the nice advantage is you have some of those other tools like the transcription that you can take advantage of. And what I think Google will then be able to do now that they have the transcription is search for those things. And I've not done any testing of that yet. Uh, I want to because now I'm I'm starting to ramp up the the urgency of getting these transcripts done. And I, I want to be able to see what can Google do with it. But of course, if you've now got it done for YouTube, ideally, you should be able to use that same content on a web page or on a different format of video. But that's there's some complexities associated with that we'll talk about in just a bit. Somebody ironically just yesterday or the day before asked me if the video that we're recording right now is available online anywhere and right now it's not we use justin tv as our distribution channel uh they don't archive it in any way i think it lasts for maybe 24 hours uh it doesn't last for very long and so i can't uh link to it i could download it and repost it on my own site or something like that but it's it's, it's something i've never done largely because i don't put a lot into the video it's not very good it's just my webcam um, and a pretty crummy looking backdrop behind me. Um, so uh, it's not something that, that I've really uh, tried to do. Uh, Ustream, uh, when I used Ustream, they have a really good archive. You have your whole channel and you can have it play the last one or even uh, randomly play through on the channel. And that was great. Right. Uh, I moved from Ustream because their their ads just got so egregious. I just couldn't, I couldn't do it anymore. Um uh, just a TV ads are, are uh, annoying. Uh, Ustream ads were, it made the show not functional. They would stop the show for 30 to 45 seconds uh, while we're still going right now and play you an ad. 
And if, if the only reason I'm using Ustream is so that you can see my content and they're stopping you from seeing my content, there's no reason for me to use Ustream. So that's one of the challenges with video. It's so expensive to transmit. It's um, Google is is doing a good job of monetizing YouTube and making money from it. But of course, they don't have to rely on YouTube as their only source of income. The massive amount of their income is coming from their website um, advertising. So it, it is it is it's difficult to find a video service that's going to give you a completely clean experience for your end users without giving somebody a significant amount of money. And I've I've recently gone through a number of different video sites because I want to change my streaming service to something other than the free ones like Justin TV and Ustream, which are very good for what they do, but they have these constant advertisements. And I thought maybe I can find something that's a good middle ground. And I can for, you know, the thousand dollars or just under five hundred six hundred dollars a month you're able to get something that people can use that's a lot of money to be able to put out into having video streaming and it's just outside the scope of someone who doesn't have the idea of using this as a a, a profit center of what they're doing you really have to think about the cost justification for that yeah, so what i'm considering doing and i haven't done it yet but this may push me over the edge, is taking this short-lived archive of the show, downloading it, which actually they don't give you a link to download. I'd have to use something, some uh, plug-in to be able to mm-hmm. do that. Like, right. uh, uh, anyway, whatever you could find there. Um, and then download that and then push that back up to, Ustri- uh, to YouTube as my um, uh, permanent archive. Right. Um, I'm not. I'm not entirely sure how I feel about that. It it kind of see, feels to me like I'm stealing from Justin TV if I do that. Because well, it, it's something they never intended for me to download, and I would be I would be cheating and downloading it anyway. This is what most people start with, though, is those free services. We were talking before we went live about some of the new features that are in the Wirecast for Windows, because I use Wirecast, the video that I use. On uh, that I'm sending to you over this is Wirecast, so I'm able to to do different things like uh, show my screen and put a picture in a picture and move some things around and have the view presented that I want to have presented to you. The um, the problem with that is now it adds more complexity. First, adds cost because Wirecast is a nice chunk of change to purchase that, and then there are complexities associated with having those those uh, video files. They're really big. You are probably going to have to re-render or change them. If there's a problem with the audio, you got to blend the audio back. And you have to go through an editing process, then finally uploading it and putting it somewhere. So it's not as seamless as we would hope that it would be. But it is one that if you really, really, really want to have that video out there, it's one of the only ways to do it. And if Justin TV allows you to save the file and do other things with it, yeah, that's you get into an, an ethically gray area. I don't even know what their terms of service are regarding capturing that video from their service. They may not even, they may not even, not even allow you to do that in their terms of service. Yeah, they used to have just a save button. You could download it, but that went okay. away. They made some changes, and that's not there anymore. So that, that's a pretty clear indicator to me that they don't want me doing it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's probably the case, yes. <laughs> so I... That, but there's there's those challenges. It's not only with video, but also when you're trying to do trans transcription. I was in um, London last year about this time talking with a lady who did 
um, the uh, the different services for the deaf. She was signing. She she would be at conferences. She would and I, and I approached her and said, "Okay, you got to fill me in on what is the best way for me to put closed captioning on my videos." And she said, "There's no there's no best way. There's every everybody does it different. There is no single way to do it. If you wanted it to go into a QuickTime file." which almost every operating system can read that QuickTime format, there's one way to do it. If you want to put it into an MP4 video, there is a different way to do it in those. And it depends on how people will be viewing it. But there are some standards out there for that. If you're doing it in Windows with the Windows media files, there's a completely different way of putting those in. And here's the really interesting part from a transcription process. Every single one of those has a completely different format on how the transcription is put into the video file. So it's not just text. It's not like you're writing a Word document and you're saving it off and aha, you've got your transcription. There have to be time codes in the doing closed captioning. It's incredibly complex to do closed captioning on television. That standard is one that has an incredibly formatted set of standards about the type of text and what color the text is and where it goes on the screen and all kinds of interesting things. That's That's just... That's just a, a lot to go through. You have to now figure out what format are you even going to present this information. If it's on a web page, that makes it easy. It's text and, and you're done. If it's something that's embedded into a video or along with some, some audio that you're showing on a, on a video site, you have to figure out what format you're going to want to use. And at this point, I have found very few transcription services or pieces of software that can easily automate between everything that I would like to have. Because I would like to put my video on YouTube and use YouTube's format to be able to show closed captioning. But I also have videos that I sell after the fact. I package all of these together on a DVD and you can just buy the whole DVD from me. You won't even need YouTube. That's a different video format, which of course requires a different transcription format inside of that. And I may want to have different kinds of those. I might want to have some for Windows. I might want to have some for QuickTime. I might want to have some that are more MP4, more generic. I might want to have Flash versions, which is another completely, completely different format for transcriptions. Every single one of those is different. So now I, I have to take a step back and think, do I really want to create all these different videos because changing between those different video formats is literally pushing a button and having an automated process just spit out however many videos I want. But now if I'm putting the transcription into the video, there's now closed captioning in that video. That becomes a different animal altogether and it completely changes how you're going to provide this information for your video podcasts or the audio podcast that you're going to present in a video form. So in short, it's a big mess all the way around. It's a big mess all the way around. There's no, there's no simple way to do it. It's there's, and there's costs associated with that. Um, you, you first have to have uh, the time it takes to make the transcription. I was on a website, um, this week and I don't even know how to pronounce it. Uh, Koemi, K-O-E-M-E-I. They have an automatic transcription service that will take, you can just point them to your YouTube video and it will automated create a transcription of the YouTube video. 
And it actually does a really good job. There's a free account that you can get that gives you, I think it's 60 hours of video a month that you could pass through that and create a transcript. So I did. I, I, passed, I created an account, passed it through. And what I got, I passed it through it on my existing video. So let me read you the transcript that they sent. <clears throat> Once you have data inside your computer, it's very common to have to find ways to get the data out of your computer. And one common way is to print it. If you're in a retail environment, you may have these smaller receipt printers next to the point of sale system, or perhaps you're in a home or home office. You have these smaller printers that are able, there's no punctuation in here at all. Just, just one, just, one words. Word after, just one word after the other. Now, I got the words incredibly accurate. I mean, I, I've, I've, I've looked through this one, and it's pretty much right on the money. Now, I picked a video that did not have a lot of complex terms. I wasn't talking about Ethernet frame formats. I wasn't discussing different uh, fiber connection types that have these abbreviations and odd words associated with them. They were really uh, words about different kinds of printers. So it got the words extremely accurate, and I was very impressed with its ability to do that. But now I have to go through this and do all of the editing. Now, what they have on their website um, is they have a way you can, they, they send you a message when it's done, an email when it's finished, and it says, well, here, here you can access your transcript in HTML, in PDF, in SRT format, which is a, a transcription format, a text format, and an XML format, and then you can go to a particular link and edit the file itself. And on this file, uh, on the screen, they have a breakdown of the, the timestamps of when these things were said. And you can go in into this, this online text editor and go through and edit, add the, add the punctuation, add the capitalization you're looking for, put the periods and the commas where they're supposed to go. And then you can save that and then you can download it in the format you want. So it, this may, this is actually a pretty good way to do it. You can also upload the files directly to them. It doesn't have to be on YouTube, but a lot of flexibility. And it's kind of surprising that they're giving all of that away for no cost at all. There's obviously, if you need more hours right. per month, they have tiered plans that you can purchase. But there's an, an absolutely free service right there at K-O-E-M-E-I dot com where you're able to do something like that can kind of get you started along the lines of doing some transcription. I'm making a note of that so that I will be sure to put that one in the show notes because that's a good one. K-O-E-M-E-I. Yeah, this was just one I stumbled across. I know nothing more about the service. It, and if you go to the website, it's clearly bare bones. It's giving right. you just enough information to get the job done. It Very may not even, likely to be a bait and switch in the future. There, it may not be here tomorrow, but right. there it is. Now, I've done other things with applications that I purchased to put on my computer. It's not in the cloud. Maybe you're working with content. You don't want other people or other automated systems to be able to go through. I've used a Dragon Naturally Speaking, which is an extremely popular um, transcription type. It's text to, to voice service or not service, but uh, an application, a program you can purchase for Windows or for Mac that's uh, from Nuance at, at Nuance, N-U-A-N-C-E.com. And I purchased theirs, uh, this was a couple years ago, because I wanted to take my videos and just simply shove them into Nuance and have it spit out a transcript on the other side. It shouldn't be that hard, right? <laughs> well, and and let's let's preface this by saying Dragon, naturally speaking, by nuance, is best of breed. It oh, yes. really doesn't get better than this. 
it's it's quite remarkable. Now, there's the problem I ran into. I don't know how they sell their product today, uh, but the problem I ran into is there's different tiers. You can't just buy Dragon, naturally speaking, or Dragon Dictation, or Dragon for PC, or Dragon for Mac, or Dragon Search. Um, they have a ton of products that they they deal with, and all of them are they're very good products. Uh, the one that I had at the time had different flavors, different tiers. So you could get Dragon entry level and then dragon a little bit better than that and then dragon expert level um and i had the lower tier and what i had to do was play the video and as the video was playing it would hear the video and start doing its transcription now i found out later i could pay a little bit more and i could get the upper tier version and i can just take an mp3 file just shove it into the program pops out a transcription I think so current much. pricing as of the recording of this, because I was just looking at that this weekend, current pricing for that version is about 250 bucks for the version you can upload a file to. But one of the tricks of that one uh, is that there has to be some training that takes place for, for, for accents and dialects. And what I have heard, I haven't experienced it myself, what I've heard is it falls down when there are more than one speaker uh, in a file. It has it has a hard time making that transition between different tonalities and different um, uh, dialects, and it certainly can't handle two people talking over each other. That, that very well may, may be the case, and I, I wouldn't expect it to be able to do too well with that kind of thing. But in my case, of course, I don't care so much. Obviously, in a podcast like this one, that's a big deal. It's a very um, big deal. You have to know how to spell turducken, and and for both of us, how we both say turducken to be able to do that. So um, those types of things often fall down as well. So um, I went to another site and there, there's a number of sites out there that do this kind of thing. Uh, and I'm trying to find the exact one I went to earlier today. Um, this was one that that handled, I just disappeared. This is one that handled um, doing the transcription by a person. You get an individual to help you. So I thought that was interesting. I could I could simply hire somebody over the internet. And there's a lot of websites that do that type of thing. So I could have hired somebody and they, they're already a transcriptionist. You can see the things that they've done before. Um, you can uh, hire them for a certain amount of time. They tell you how much it's, it, it's costs and go through the whole process right there online. They could be anywhere. They could be in the United States. They could be in Singapore. They could be in the Philippines. They could be in Australia. They could be anywhere. And they will tell you, I do transcriptionist. Um, uh, this is the, the amount I charge. I, uh, here's my credentials. Here are the different dialects that I know. Um, and you can have it done there. But now you're spending money. But it's a real person right. who can understand you're saying turducken. And there's two people on this. And they can understand what everyone is saying. Right. And it makes a big difference. So that really, when, there, are two, there are two classes of this. There's automated and manual. Uh, and automated that's, that's is, of course, much it. that's the holy grail. Right. Everybody wants an automated, 100% accurate. And I really think Google's going to crack this nut, but I think they're several years away. I mean, they're, the, the whole Google Voice thing, that's all about gathering data, uh, of your voice data. The, the Google 411 thing they did for a while, uh, the, the speech recognition on your phone, they're, they're crunching on this data in a big way because they want to archive, they want to be able to index video and audio. The indexing sure. is what they do. YouTube is one of their biggest properties. They want to be able to index YouTube. That's what the whole closed captioning thing is about. They're gathering that and they're trying to make that better. I think they're going to do that, but we're not there yet. And when they do, 
there's no guarantee that they're going to make it available to the world. They may say, ha ha, we've cracked it and it's our secret sauce and we will not do it for anyone else which they've done, for example, the search algorithm. They're among the best, if not the best, uh, at finding what you're looking for quickly and efficiently. And, of course, that's secret sauce. They're not going to share that with anybody um, because that's their bread and butter. So um, while I think this is going to be solved as processing gets better, uh, right now there is no computer better in terms of uh, language acquisition and, and understanding than the human mind. And if you want to get an idea, the one I looked at today, and there's many different websites out there where you can hire contractors to do this kind of thing. The one I looked at today was Odesk. I've not even hired anyone from this. It may it may be great. It may not be great. I have no idea. Um, but it's an interesting one to go through and just search through and see the different people that are out there and what they're doing. That's at Odesk, O-D-E-S-K dot com. And in my searching, uh, the cheapest I found for a human to do the transcription, somebody to listen and type, which is difficult. I mean, they, there are whole classes in this, right? There's courtroom stenographers. There are people who make their career out of being able to type as fast as somebody else speaks. Um, but the cheapest I could find was a buck a minute. So 90 minute podcast, <laughs> 90 bucks. That had to be the worst transcription ever. Right. And, <laughs> and the ones I was seeing was starting, you know, starting just under $10 and up well above 20 right. an hour to do something like that. Well, at, uh, at a buck a minute, that's $60 an hour. Right. So, so you know, you know, you've got, you've got a lot of options available out there and being able to flip through and find what you need. But like you said, this is not a medical podcast, so someone who has an expertise in medical transcription may not understand when we're talking about spin ride and recovering sectors from a hard drive. Um, suddenly, you'll get a transcript that talks about recovering sections of a hard drive. Right. You know, those are the types of things you want to try to avoid. And and then you know, if you get somebody who is not a native English speaker, uh, they they may work cheaper, but lower quality work. I still think. They're probably going to be better than the machine right now, uh, but it's 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 not cheap, and it's certainly not free. I went and did some searching, uh, being the open source guy that I am. The first thing I, uh, I looked for was a an open source um, speech-to-text uh, utility. <clears throat> and one that I found that was promising was called uh, Transcriber AG, uh, and it's very early on in the product. Uh, I downloaded it. They do have it available for Windows uh, and Linux and Mac. Um, uh, and yeah, those those three. Uh, they don't have Solera. Sorry, you guys. Uh, so uh, I, I went and found it and I downloaded it. And I, I spent 55, 60 minutes, right, right around an hour, not quite a full hour, um, and could not get one single bit of output I, I you know i consider myself slightly smarter than the average bear i, I think that i uh you know with years in in tech and in software and you know i have some software writing experience i understand the way computers work and i couldn't make this thing happen nothing um, then the documentation is spotty at best um and like i said it's early on right it's not it's not it's not baked yet they're still working on it um but i had high hopes because the the interface looks good and the the pictures on the website the screenshots look nice right you have you have it you you put in the speaker's names and it figures out who the speakers are and it tells you uh where they and it looks good and it may work really well 
I just couldn't make it happen. So, you know, if somebody out there try transcriber AG dot sourceforge.net and and let me know what you think if you can figure out how to make it work awesome because it really does seem to be uh the holy grail they have a a library of of um different uh dialects in there uh different european dialects and different male and female and and my understanding of it was the the way it works is you um you assign an, an actor and say this is my person um, and he's uh, an, a European male uh, with a French accent, and it it sort of ties that together, and that helps it uh, to learn. But I I couldn't make it happen. There wasn't redneck American in the list. I tried; it wasn't there. Well, we're going to have to have that if we're going to say Holy Grail <laughs> right. on one of these. Uh, so I would love for that to work. I'm a big open source fan. It, it would be awesome if that worked, uh, but. Uh, so far, it, it, it was a, a non-starter for me. Becomes one of these business cases as well. Should I? Sp- I can type really fast. Should I spend my time typing in the transcript or trouble? It's one of those situations also where um, going through and looking at the text something else has written for you almost takes as much time as if you just type it yourself to begin with. Um, it's like rebuilding a house or just leveling it. And, and starting right. over, that kind of thing. Right. OCR um, is the same way, right? You can yeah. scan a document, but is it any faster than actually copying and typing the document? Most of the time, no. So I've got to decide, do I spend my time typing in transcripts or do I spend my time making more videos? And and that ultimately, I it, it becomes a business decision. Can I then pay for someone else to do this for me? Is that going to give me enough benefit? And if I can get more people to come to my website, if I can get more people to look at the text that's on my page and I've got advertising on my website that brings in revenue, there's a good cost benefit associated with that. Yeah. So, yeah, if I could get $90 worth of value out of a transcript, then I would pay somebody a buck a minute to transcribe a 90-minute show. That's, that's, a, that's a no-brainer. Uh, but at this point, I'm not convinced I would do that. So, you know, the the the, the holy grail for me is a listener steps up and says, hey, I've got nothing better to do. I'll transcribe your show for you. So that would be awesome. Uh, but that so far isn't happening. Tell you what, I'll pay you a buck a show. How about that? I, I'll even pay you for it. Um, I, I, there's a lot of benefits to transcription, and I think all podcasters – um, see the value in it, but I don't know many who have seen the value great enough to pay for it to happen. Right. And I'm I'm at that point. I'd love to have a good transcriber at a, at a good price. I'd be willing to to do some experimenting with that. I think there'd be some some interesting things to come out of that. Right. Uh, you know the the only podcast I know of. Uh, that does that is uh, uh, Security Now with Steve Gibson. He mm-hmm. pays a transcriptionist to transcribe every one of his shows. And um, yep. and his transcripts are fantastic. Yes, they are. Which means uh, they are probably expensive as well. And I have used those transcripts to search for specific information before. Uh, There's but, some value there. And he sees, you know, he sees the value in, in, in the, the business decision for him was a given that you're going to do it. I, I'm not there yet. Uh, I, I'm not seeing the the return. Of course, I'm not 
seeing revenue. You know, I've said that often on this show. It's I'm I'm not poor, pitiful me. It's it's my doing that I'm not seeing revenue. But uh, there's not really uh, any upside to me right now, other than it would be a handy thing to be able to do. Right. Uh, but the question then is, what do you do with the the with the transcripts once you get them? You know, you you talked about uh, uh, extending your products and making them more value. But uh, another thing that you could do is have an entirely new product. Uh, there was a podcast recently. I can't remember uh, off the top of my head who it was, but they they had transcripts done of their show, and then they took the transcripts and compiled them into a book and sold mm. a book. So for an audience that doesn't listen to podcasts, they get the same content. And I thought that's that's a clever use of the product, and there, there could certainly be a benefit there monetarily to doing that. You you compile your things, and, and you know, and, and the the twenty twelve um, art of podcasting uh, compilation. You know, you sell it online for you know ten, twenty, thirty bucks, whatever. Uh, you could easily offset the cost of the uh, the transcription itself. That's a that's a great idea, considering how cheap and easy it is to put together a Kindle book or an Apple iBook. It's very, very simple. And if you already have the text, why not? Right. And for somebody like you, James, who uh, your content is very technical in nature, you do videos, but the the text of your videos would still be very valuable to somebody. Uh, for example, your, your A+, Net+, Security+, stuff, that would be a valuable uh, study companion to have available. Well, now I have another thing to put on my to-do list. <laughs> so that, that's a, it's a value there. There's great value there in um, taking the text out of your audio. You know, we're all here because we like audio better than texts. Uh, if, if we didn't, we would be, I would be blogging instead of podcasting. Right. Um, people learn differently. People, you know, most of my uh, podcasts, consumers do so during their drive time I've, I've been told that often you know that uh or or as i've often said they're doing it while doing something else you can't you shouldn't don't do it if you are um read and drive at the same time bad idea right but you can easily listen to a podcast and drive so we we have that audience there but there there the information we're putting out is is no less valuable to people who like to read so I would love to be able to take everything that we've said here, um, compile it into a, a, a textual format, and make that available as well. I just can't find a way that is functional and affordable for me at this time. We're going to have to think about this. we got to find a way to make that happen. I, I think it would be great. And, and the YouTube thing that you said might be passable. Uh, but then, then there's the issue of the editing. You're still going to have to go through and do some compilation and some editing. Uh, but if I could throw up even the the non-punctual uh, punctuated file that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, uh, even if I could just throw that up on the website and say, "Here it is," at least you can search on it and say, "At this time in the uh, time frame in the show is where you can play it." That would be valuable in itself. Sure, absolutely. Any other thoughts on that? Uh, that was my my brain skipping a beat there. I, I think I hit about seven bullet points in that one little rant. I think I'm I'm ready now to go do some more experimentation. <laughs> it's a it's something that I would I, this transcriber AG if it could to, could work as advertised. Um, it's a done deal. So, but there's a reason that it's not 
on the market or or released yet. There's a reason I had to search through seven websites to find it. It's not it's not baked yet. It's not done. Right. Um, so you know the, again the maybe maybe you could find somebody on like Fiverr.com who for five bucks would transcribe right. the show. You know that that would be worthwhile to me. I think um, I think anything under twenty dollars a show. I would do happily. Um, I just can't afford really, you know, $20 a minute uh, to do that. Or I don't want to afford it. Maybe that's the better way to say it. Well, maybe if you do some other type, you'd be more creative with it. Amazon has the mechanical Turk where you give people very simple tasks to do and you pay them very little. But the idea is you give, you know, a bunch of people right. a lot of little tasks and ultimately you might get a big transcript at the end. So I break a 90-minute show into 90 tasks and right. pay somebody 30 cents to do one minute of transcription. Right. Yeah. That could be interesting. It'd be an, an interesting experiment in human nature, if nothing else. Yep. So uh, the the wrap up here is transcripts good. We don't know how to make it happen. James has given you a couple of good ideas. the The YouTube thing is a good one, and the uh, Koemi website uh, sounds like a well good done. option. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, uh, so there there are a couple of options there uh, that I will be checking out myself. And uh, if you do, let us know. And the way you can let us know is uh, go to elementopi.com. Use any of the various feedback options there. There's a, a contact us button uh, conspicuously uh, pasted at the top of the page. Uh, there is a uh, leave us a voicemail widget where you can uh, enter your phone number. Google Voice will call you and you can leave us a voicemail if you live in uh, the continental uh, U.S. and Canada. Uh, sorry about the people overseas that I don't make the rules Google does. Or you can go in the forums there, uh, hop in the Art of Podcasting forums and, and post a question or a comment or a suggestion there. So we encourage you to do all of those things. Uh, and if you have ideas that we don't, or if you have tried some of these things and, and failed, uh, it would be awesome if you would let us know. So now that we come to the time of the show where I pause for James to say something and he doesn't, and I assume he has nothing to say. Uh, so we'll we'll move on to the lesson learned this week. James, do you have a lesson you learned this week? Well, we talked a little bit about the hard drive, but I have another lesson because the the hard drive problem interrupted some uh, planning that I'm doing for a new studio in, in um, an upgrade to existing studio that I'm working on. Yes, the ever present Messer Studios 3.0, 3.0. I'm not sure it's the third version, but we're going to call it that anyway. And um, I have a lot of new equipment that I want to put in here, but my studio, I've designed my studio and my work, uh, the whole process to work in my home. It's, it's an important part of what I want to do with this. I don't want it to be in a separate building somewhere downtown. I don't want a separate studio, at least not in the lifetime of where we are with what I want to do. I want to stay in my house so that my commute is I put my slippers on and I walk into the other room and now I'm in the studio. Um, the the thing though is that I've I've now got to swap out a lot of equipment. I'm planning to put a lot of different video equipment in, a lot of different audio equipment. I'm buying a rack for this to all go in. The rack itself is powered, so there's power associated with this. So I got thinking, I'm not even sure what power I have in this room. It's designed for a home and it's a relatively new home in the last 10 years or so. It's not an, an old house, um, 
but these might be 15 amp circuits I have in here. I, I doubt I have multiple circuits in here. So over the holidays, I thought I better, I better map out, I better list out all of these different pieces of equipment that I want to buy and how much power they take to turn everything on. What would it take? Because I don't want to have problems. Then I thought, what is the number I would get to? How many watts would I use to actually have a problem? Um, I'm not an electrician. I've done a little bit of uh, electrical work with simple things. I can put a light in, but that's easy. You put the black on the black and the white on the white and the, the ground wire plugged into the ground connection. Uh, but having to do engineering of that in a home is left to the professional. So I will be talking to a, uh, an electrician tomorrow. But I started looking around and, and found some interesting stats. Of course, on, in the U.S., we're dealing with about 120-volt uh, circuits that are coming um, into our rooms here that are coming off of our, our electrical panels and in the plug in the wall, 120 volts. And usually they are 15 amp or 20 amp circuits. And the, the calculation is you multiply the volts times the amps and you get how many watts that particular circuit could support. But an interesting statistic I found by uh, just on a, a website um, for, set of forums was an electrician said, yeah, that, that will be uh, 1800 uh, watts that you would have going through your 15 times your 120 is 1800 but you really only want to carry about 80 percent of that um, you don't want to even get close to the maximum on this type of connection for a lot of reasons you if somebody did put in the wrong wiring in the wall that couldn't support a lot of that load it could get very hot and you don't want hot wires in your wall for obvious reasons and of course you might put so much equipment on this circuit that it would blow the breaker and then everything would shut down. And, and from a productivity standpoint, that's really not a great idea either. Um, so I, I just thought it'd be a good idea to mention that if you are planning to put a lot of computer equipment in a room, you're doing a lot of podcasting, you're buying some machines, it's the holidays, you may be getting another camera, you may be getting uh, a new mixer. Check what the power output of these things is. Make sure you find out how many watts it uses when it is in use, the maximum amount that it would ever possibly use because a set of hard drives, when they're, they're just sitting idle, don't use a lot of power. And then when you use them, they spin up and they use more power. Make sure you get the maximum numbers and calculate. Just simple addition. How many watts is it? Make sure that you're not hitting these limits. And if you have any questions about it whatsoever, get a good electrician to come in and have a look at what you're doing. The last thing you want to do is cause a problem uh, with the wiring that's inside of your walls. That's very good. I ran into that many times as an enterprise IT guy where uh, somebody would say, let's uh, throw a lab in this room here. Great. That's yep. going to cost you about $12,000 in electrical work. Yep. Well, why? Because there are four outlets in that room and you want 25 computers in there. Not a good idea. Uh, so you got to plan for those sort of things. I worked in a data center where someone caught, came in, brought in a computer, plugged it in, turned the computer on, and all of the lights went off in the data center. Because they had it perfectly balanced <laughs> for that exact load. No one had even considered power. Not even was it not even balanced improperly. Nobody had ever done any calculations. And so we spent the next week completely detailing everything out and of course changing the process of what it took for somebody to plug something in to this day i during the week i i do a lot of work in data centers and um and i always ask is this okay to plug in and and by the way it's me standing there with my arms crossed is this okay for you to plug this in here and for you to turn this on when you turn this box on and you plug it in to your data center line right here 
on you because I'm not touching it. Uh, I don't tell them I'm not touching it, but they'll notice that I'm standing there waiting for them to turn it on. And I ask them, is, is this going to be okay? Because I know exactly what the power is for this. Do you have the wattage on this circuit for us to plug in? Okay. So even the big guys get it wrong. It's easy to mess up your power. Make sure you do it right. And one of the issues I had, quick story, was with cooling. Um, we had we built a server room. It was too small, uh, but we'll, I just say it was ten by twenty. I don't remember exactly what it was. Uh, and so the AC guys put in an AC unit capable of cooling a ten by twenty room. And I told them a hundred times over, you have to beef this things up, this thing up four or five times. Mm-hmm. what you think it should be and uh and of course they went and talked to their engineer and went ah it's fine there's no there's no way you could there's nothing there's no way you could overload that it's ridiculous <laughs> um so it was underbuilt for my specifications and then they got to the part of the construction phase they call value engineering which means cutting out expensive stuff so that you can save money <laughs> um and so they ended up putting in a regular like a uh, hotel split air conditioner thing that you would see in the motel six uh, in this room that I jammed pack with, with switches and servers and battery backups. Um, and sure enough, with, with no surprises to anybody at one point, the air conditioner failed over the weekend. Of course, when I wasn't there, I walked in Monday morning, um, nothing was working. I, I it was immediately I walked in and I didn't hear and I knew something was oh, wrong. Boy. Right. So I opened the door to the server room and, um, the doorknob burned my hand. Oh, it was that hot. Um, I, uh, I, when the temperature control systems cooled down enough to come back on, <laughs> they were registering 185 degrees. Oh no. Inside that room. Um, and so I don't know how long it had run, but, uh, it got so hot in there that literally everything went into life saving mode and shut down. Um, right. and, and I don't know how long that had been like that, but on the way back down, I measured it at 185 degrees. Wow. And you were able to cook breakfast at the same time. Yes. Yes. I threw some cookies, some, some easy bake, uh, cookies in there and, uh, had that going. And still to this day, even after that same air conditioning system that I could not convince the bean counters to give me more money. They were like, well, it works most of the time. You know, it's when it fails, it's not that big a deal. It's like, you understand there's like three quarters of a million dollars worth of equipment in here. And if that hundred dollar air conditioner goes out, you're going to lose three quarters of a million dollars worth of stuff. That probably yep. won't happen. Yeah, but the cookies are delicious. <laughs> uh, so my lesson I learned this week uh, has nothing to do with podcasting at all, but I just thought I'd throw it out there. Just this evening between I do po- two podcasts on Sunday evening between the first one and this second one uh, i went upstairs and my wife um had been doing some online shopping um to Uh for christmas yes and uh she had uh, seven eight ten items not a lot in her shopping cart she clicked buy and in the time it took her to compile her shopping cart and click buy three of those items were out of stock wow Speed is essential when purchasing online the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. That's that's something. I, I bought a few things on this holiday. I did not leave my house because I'm not interested in getting in the middle of all of those crazy things that are going on. And I didn't have problems, but you know, I was buying network addressable power distribution units. Yeah, not the um, same. Yeah. 
for some reason there were plenty in stock we were buying kids toys Oh, So it was the latest Dora doll that every kid has to have. And apparently, every kid's mom is buying it right now. Who knew? I had one of those yuppie moments. I went to uh, Home Depot three times in one day. And when I had to go back to fourth, I refused. And I went across the street to Lowe's. Because I just was not going to go to the same hardware store four times in the same day. But, you know, you buy the wrong thing. And then you forgot what you needed and then you got to you walk back in and your honey says oh by the way did you get and they go so yeah it was one of those days i hate those days when you're running back and forth buying one or two things at a time and it's never right we call those in my house those are the biblical projects <laughs> uh because one project begats another project right. begats another project and so on i just refused to have four charges on my credit card within a three-hour span at the same store so just to make me feel better i went across the street to another store Oh, I consider that a success. <laughs> I think that's awesome. Oh, uh, okay. Sorry, got to go to Home Depot again. Sorry, yeah, got to go. Again. I need bolt cutters or something. <laughs> yeah, because then it gets you out of doing other stuff. We were putting up Christmas lights in a new house. So we, we, you know, we just moved. We don't have uh, suddenly all of our extension cords evaporated right. somewhere between the house right. in Texas and here. Um, <laughs> half of our Christmas lights are broken. They worked fine. Now they don't. So we every time we'd unpack a box, it would be a trip to the to the Home Depot or or the Lowe's or the whatever. So there's just the things that you that happen when you uh, move Christmas decorations. Just don't. Yep. Just sell them all and buy new ones. So that's two things I learned this week. Very nice. All right, I think this uh, this is as good a time as any. Actually, about 15 minutes ago would have been a good time to wrap this show up. So, uh, James, I'm going to say thank you for your um, insight and wisdom as always. Uh, appreciate you being with us. Listeners, thanks for listening. Those of you who are in the live uh, stream, which you can uh, listen to Sunday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we, uh, we broadcast this madness live. And uh, you can join us there and hop in the chat room and ask questions or make snide comments. Uh, we welcome them both. And of course, you who are listening, thank you, because you're the reason we do this. We encourage you, if you haven't already, hop on over to iTunes, give us a rating and a review. That would be a great thing, preferably a four or five star rating. If you're going to give us a one star rating, just skip it. Thanks anyway. Uh, so we appreciate that. And of course, uh, word of mouth, tell all your friends about us. Even if they don't know what a podcast is, make them listen to the show. So without further ado, I will simply say that ends this episode of The Art of Podcasting. Mm-hmm.